Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chen. I'm Max Tarrant. And I'm Sarah Watt. Each month of Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, same actor, or similar theme. And this month, we're discussing Valerian, The City of a Thousand Planets, which came out this year, and The Fifth Element, which came out in 1997, 20 years ago. And the connection is they're both space opera films by Luc Besson. So let's hear about these films. William, do you want to give us a bit of an overview of both of the movies? Of course. And uh, I think um, that that is actually very apt because they are very, very similar, especially if you watch them back to back. Uh, So both both movies are very, very out there space operas from the mind of Luc Besson. Um, They are set 20 years apart, but they also really feel like a throwback to his youth. And I know you said in interviews that that's what he intended, especially Fifth Element, to be. Uh, They are both heavily influenced by the French and Belgian kind of comic book uh, aesthetic, uh, as well as storytelling techniques. And they both have to do with, um, shall we say, aliens and some sort of intergalactic war, um, a lot of politics that seem deep on the level, but not so on another level. And of course, the overpowering power of love. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you, William. And it's worth saying that uh, with Cinema in Context, we feel that the old film is, we can be as spoilerific as, as we like, but the new film, we keep it relatively spoiler-free. So we'll be following that today. And it's so great to have all four of us here, because for various reasons, we haven't all been together for a while, eh? Mm-hmm. It's nice. All right, who likes to start us off? Valerian. I've actually, actually, I'll start us off, because I've written down Valerian, insert subtitle here, because I just think <laughs> the length of this, of this film is just ridiculous. Call it Valerian and stick with it. Um, you say the, the, the length of the film? Or length no, the length... Well, there's title. another... Uh, <laughs> I would say the length of the film yeah. and the length of the title. The length of, let, both, let, the length of both films. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the length of the, of the film soon, because I've got... Yeah, much <laughs> but honestly, Valerian and the City mm. of a Thousand Planets, I, can, I have to have written it down because I can't remember it. It's mm. so descriptive. Oh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but also so verbose. Yeah. And, it, and it must be purely because it is based on... Is, is, well, well, is, is that the extended title? No, no. The, the comic book is called Valerian and Laureline. Oh, I see. And I, I don't Which is an interesting quite understand why they uh, changed it for the movie. Because they're, gonna... they're both... Both these movies are quite sexist, I think. Because you're saying that because the, uh, the source novel was um, Valerian a Laureline and yeah. that this film is just called Valerian. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that's a point. Well, let's talk about that. That's a nice name. Maybe they want to call it Valerian and, and Laureline, the city of a thousand planets. Long, a, a rope of sand. Yeah. Part, part one. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. They, they, I think they're anticipating this yeah. to turn into a series, into a franchise. Let's, let's off the bat call it something that is going to be able to be changed so that it's relevant to the next film. But the, the sexism, that's interesting because um, I, I agree with you, particularly with Valerian. There was, uh, yeah, some interesting dynamics going on there uh, what I will say is that the love story in Valerian is just they kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they <laughs> they sort of reveal they sort of play their cards right in the first scene mm. mm-hmm. <laughs> there's no tension the film the, film's, <laughs> the love stories follow a similar trajectory I realised only on watching The Fifth Element and I should say that I had not seen it back in the day as it turns out it was completely fresh to me watching it post Valerian by a couple of I, days I, I have not seen it either oh um, you hadn't no. right first um, The Fifth Element yeah yeah 
um, despite having heard of it and knowing it was absolutely legendary. Um, and, and yes, so there are similarities in both film where you have a, um, a, a lead male character called Major, or Major someone or other, Major Valerian, or just Bruce Willis's character, Major. I don't know what his actual name was. Corbett Dallas. Right. Corbett. Dallas, of course. Um, and, uh, and, and very early on, they meet the, um, the supposed love of their life and express it as such. Um, particularly in Valerian, as you mm -hmm. say, that's sort of like right from the beginning. He's like, I want to be with you. And, and then it becomes just sort of a tale of where you have to prove yourself, sort of. Well, well the, um, di the difference, though, between Fifth Element and Valerian is that they are, they've got a previous relationship. We meet them within the first 15 minutes. And they're, they're pretty much everything that you need for, for their supposed his, his proposal to her to work is already there. We don't see it develop. Yeah. Fifth Element, the, the love interest, she doesn't come in until about half an hour into the film. We already know who Bruce Willis is. I, I feel and, like they develop their characters much better in Fifth Element than they do in Valerian. And, and speaking of if they want to make Valerian um, a franchise, <clears throat> then that core relationship is already kind of, uh, kind of completely drawn out. So there's there's not going to be much more to do. They want to make it a franchise, is there? I don't know. I that, speculating. I'm speculating. <laughs> I, 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 in some ways, it's one of the only ways I can understand why they made the film. Well, the the thing is, is that Besson wanted a cash cow. No, 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 no. He no. I, he, Valerian has been his passion project. Yeah. Apparently, he's been wanting to make that film ever oh, since he, that was his favorite graphic yeah, novel. Yeah, he's, he's a huge fanboy of the series, mm. and you can see from Fifth Element, like mm. this. I haven't right. read a lot of the comics. But you can definitely see so much of the design is taken straight from Valerian and, and Laurel. Absolutely. The shape of the spaceships and how the, um, the, the very famous Fifth Element poster with all the taxi cabs in, mm. in Space New York. Um, it's something straight out of that kind of comic. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And the, the little pet, the little creatures oh, yeah, that they're yeah. cuddling are the same creatures. Mm -hmm. The cityscapes are very, very similar. And I was going to comment on the world building in Valerian, um, which was, one for me, one of the pluses of it. Where it was fantastic and then watching Fifth Element indeed same sort of thing I think it's impossible nowadays not to hark back to Blade Runner yeah. but, but forgive well, there, them there are explicit know. references with uh, written his name down uh, where is he Brian James who played Leon in Blade Runner and he plays uh, General Monroe in Mm -hmm. So there are overt references to Blade Runner in Fifth Element. And, um, and, and I found also in Valerian lots of um, setting nods to Star Wars with the bars and the markets and that sort of and, thing. Uh, and the Starfighter. Uh, uh, Avatar, possibly. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And he references Fifth Element in it and there was dialogue. And, and there's a line about your hat. You know, nice hat is, is mentioned in yeah. this. He's a very intertextual director, isn't he? Cause, yeah. Because mm -hmm. uh, Fifth Element also then references lots of Star Wars and... With yeah. the Princess yeah. Leia here. The, the way I yeah. wanted to describe it was a quirky French near spoof of Star Wars mixed with Indiana Jones. <laughs> it was very Indiana Jones, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then a bit mummy-ish as well for me. But um, so, but the thing with Besson is, as much as I, neither of these films would I particularly want to watch again. Both of them, I feel, would have benefited from being probably high or drunk. And that's not something that I do to watch films. But 20 years ago, I might have. And I can see why people 20 years ago would have loved The Fifth Element, particularly if they were having a very relaxed night at home. Um, but <laughs> I, but the, the thing that I admire in both films, personally, is that both are clearly Luc Besson's um, passion projects. Apparently, Fifth Element he had been writing since he was 16. Yeah. Um, and so he's so committed to it. 
Whereas I, I, we watch so much crap nowadays that you think, what a sloppy film, that director, it was a cash cow for him, or mm. he hardly cares. Mm. And this guy really cares. And, and I give him quite a lot of points for his commitment to it. And if he wants it to be cray-cray, and it's not quite up my alley, I don't mind because he's committed to his cause and he's giving it everything. You know what I mean? I, I, I fully agree with you. I think it, it endears you to the film. Because my, my perspective on these two movies is, you know, Valerian, I wasn't a huge fan of. I've got a lot of issues with it. Uh, it, was, it was generally enjoyable, though. I went with my brother-in-law, my brother, and my nephew, who's 10 years old. I saw Fifth Element as an 11 year old and, mm. and it's one of my favourite films mm. I think probably for similar reasons with me talking about Independence Day William and your yeah. kind of view of Independence Day and I really enjoyed re-watching The Fifth Element mm. last night for the probably 30th or 40th time right. I haven't watched it in a number of years um, and I, could, I saw a few cracks that I'd never seen before as you do when you go back but for me everything that I felt Valerian failed in I was quite confident in my perspective that fifth element fulfilled it for me. And maybe mm-hmm. for your 11-year-old nephew, Valerian could be, that. Yeah. could be his fifth element, despite yeah. the fact that it's an hour longer and an hour too long. But yeah, I think connected with that as well is that I remember fifth element in very similar circumstances with my dad, my uncle, um, potentially a cousin. We went along to this, this great event film. And oh, we, wow. And then also it became part of our family video collection that everybody kind of quotes and, wow, and still that's quotes. really See, meaningful. that's what I was wondering. What, so it was quite a significant film when it came out. Mm-hmm. I, I just think so. I've asked it, just, I, I mentioned it to different people, assuming that they would know what I meant, and quite a few people didn't, just kind of didn't pick up on it. Like, oh, I've kind of heard of it. But for me, it was quite significant. Mm. And I had a similar, I think I really liked it. It was the, the period of time in my life that it just kind of worked. It was like this first kind of slightly more gritty, um, well, gritty. Uh, some, some aspects of a gritty sci-fi. Mm. And seeing kind of the anti-hero of, of Bruce Willis um, just kind of chimed quite nicely. But I do think he's a, he's a bit of a, is the, do you think Luc Besson is a bit, is he a bit childish in his mind, though, as well, you know, like, is he a bit, you know, he's not interested in substance very much, is he? No. 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 Um, no. And, and when he, when he is, uh, that's when the movies start to really go downhill. So I'm happy. <laughs> well, no, but you say that. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved, um, I think we called it the, profe- it was called the professional oh, yeah, year, yeah. but it was called Leon, wasn't it? Mm. In other, um, places. And the, relationship between Jean Renault and um, Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. particularly when she's newly orphaned, uh, and that beautiful sort of um, surrogate father-daughter role that, that, that grows, that's really nice. And that is a terrific movie. Well, you know, what, what about, but has anybody seen Subway? Because I really like that. And that must, be, that must be a much lower budget thing. And I think he really benefits from having the challenge of... He's got this creativity which he manages yeah. to infuse in it. Yeah. But having the lower budget just reins him in a bit. And it's like there's a lot of really interesting stuff out of it. It's like there with a lot of visual directors. The, 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 the Peter yeah. Jackson effect. Peter Jackson, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> what, when they get too much uh, money? Lucas, Sam and, Raimi. Well, old George yeah. Lucas is fantastic. Like the, his first three films, Meriton, Graffiti... <laughs> Theatrics on whatever Star Wars yeah. is just they're really tight, yeah. and, even though they're lo-fi. They're lo-fi, yeah. Yeah. And, and when they kind of have these budgets, they just go crazy. I think my my biggest criticism of uh, Valerian is that it was too long, yeah. mm. and it wasn't that it was too long. I mean, it was just too long in terms of time, like sitting in the theater. But I got bored the moment that they, that the story diverged from the Avatar-esque story, yeah. mm. and it was um, Valerian and Laura, whatever her name, Laureline. is. Laureline, like lost in the city, and he's trying to get Rihanna. I was like, what is this? I this didn't necessarily mind that. 
for some reason. For me, it was weird. It was definitely way off track. Like Mm. there were definitely moments where you're just like, "Where have we gone? When did we turn off so far?" It reminded me so much of Barbarella. How it's like, "Oh, Mm. let's go on this little sub adventure. Yeah, Yeah, let's do this little thing. Nothing to do with the main plot." See, I don't mind because I think the main plot's so kind of spurious in some ways. Mm. Anyway, yeah, like I don't, I don't have any emotional connection to it necessarily. Didn't care Um, what happened. So, so it didn't really matter. All I really wanted was the first hour, hour and a half of, of Valerian. Because it was just enjoyable. But then I was like, it could stop now. I wouldn't even need to know the resolution. That's yeah. what I felt. Well, that's how I felt. And then I was like, well, where's this Rihanna person? Yeah. And then when she came in, it did actually lift it for me. Yeah. But purely as a set piece. So for me, Rihanna lifted the film because I got bored with it. Um, however, if I think back to a little film from 1952, I think, called Singing in the Rain, there is um, a seemingly non-sequitur sort of uh, whole dance number that I remember for the first 20 years of my watching that film, thinking, why is this kind of stuck in the middle of this film? It mm. stops the plot, goes off on this fancy, and in a way... Um, when Valerian does go to the night nightclub and watch the shapeshifter, um, it's a little bit like that. You know, it doesn't add anything. Oh, it we then does about, become a bit of yeah. a device. But I we suppose, we did but. talk about that when we talked about singing in the rain with La La Land. <coughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of my biggest. Chris, I love singing in the rain, but it is it is a weird tangent that yeah. other film. Yes, I have. Um, I mean, if the film's set up to be that kind of story, it kind of can work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barbarella made no excuses about the fact that that was the type of story it was. But with this film, that seemed to be so driven by the storyline about this danger in the middle of the city. It just killed the momentum for me. And they but maybe... Okay, so here's this guy, French film director, right, who never went to Hollywood but makes these kind of hybrid-y, Hollywood-y, European-y films. And, and casts, he's quite prolific because well, he pumps out scripts that other people yeah. use yeah. all over the show. And, and he's cast in both films, he's cast a supermodel as the female protagonist. Um, and, you know, I can say much about both Mila and um, Cara Delevingne, who actually I've fallen completely in love with. I think she's absolutely enchanting. Cara. I, oh. Cara, um, Cara. Laureline. Yeah, she was the most interesting I thought she was fabulous. I think oh, she's... Sarah, she actually plays the enchantress in Suicide Squad. So I heard that, but I haven't seen that. But, I, but she, to me, she is enchanting. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic. She, yeah. Out of all the performances in that movie, she was... Well, I mean, especially, especially if uh, you compare her to the male lead, they oh, they Absolutely. Are, which, terrible. And actually, and actually, I think that um, Mila, is it Jovovich or Jovovich, um, has a similar kind of supermodel-y sort of chutzpah, however mm. you mean to say it. You know, she has a real confidence. <laughs> and both women sashayed through those films, notwithstanding they're wearing Jean-Paul Gaultier kind of like seatbelts <laughs> for outfits. But they... They were not just eye candy models. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, God bless it, Mad Max Fury Road, where where they um, they, they they cast all those Victoria's Secret models in the background, and they looked like just backgrounds Victoria's Secret models. Do you know what I'm, Do you know what I mean? Both Cara and Mila actually have. Um, character and charisma and they own their scenes which I thought was terrific so all I'm saying is so therefore maybe Luc Besson's like Rihanna says she'll be in my film because 20 years ago Luke Perry said he'd be in his film yeah that was random I know. well it wasn't random for 1997 it was random in the sense that he got what what like fifth billing yes yeah, yeah, I, I was like who's Luke Perry and then I looked up I was like he's, he's the guy at the start he was <laughs> massive in the, in the 90s he was huge he was yeah. remember he was 902 he was Dylan mm-hmm. 
And um, and so back then it was almost stunt casting yeah. in the way that Rihanna is sort of God bless her stunt casting sort mm. of you know yeah I thought um, I mean she was fine she I thought she yeah. had fun I, I I really liked her character yeah, yeah. I just thought they they should have introduced her earlier in the movie and yeah. it would make make the whole thing make so much more sense yeah um how she exits the movie is just such poor writing <clears throat> I agree I, I yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything but I have very rarely seen such a scene done with such like eh. Let's move on. Yeah, it was, it was really poor. I tell you what, in terms of the other performances in Valerian, mm-hmm. actually, there's one person that I thought did a reasonable okay job, and his name's Sam Spiral. Spiral. He's the he was yeah. the kind of good commander. That oh was yeah, I thought he did quite but a with nice the job. evil face. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's um he plays evil characters in most in ah. most sort of procedural sorts of films. Oh, see, if I I'm thinking of the nice, same guy. He did some nice work, I yeah. thought, for what he had. But man, if I ever was wondering why we haven't seen Clive Owen in a while, <laughs> oh my gosh, like just, so disappointing. I, it, it made me like sad because remember Children of Men yeah and remember how great he was even in Children of Men even inside job like yeah. everything even shoot him up I mean that, that was Croupier you know. I love Clive Owen <sighs> so yep and in, in this time. movie he's he's barking like a mad dog like yeah, yeah. I mean it's poor, not much right? of a script I mean it's no, very very cartoon-ish but the dialogue is just it's got no tension it's, it's so expository it's really yeah. boring I mean and the main guy is a Dane Jahan. He was so boring. No, I, think just... I think that's why I find this complicated, is that you know, we talk about these being his passion projects, which he really loves, but then he kind of is just loose with them, considering that he loves them so much. Like The, the, the thing I felt with uh, Fifth Element is a lot of it's rushed. Like, there's parts where I'm like, this could be really amazing if there's a bit more attention to the mise-en-scene, the way things are kind of captured, um, but it kind of just... There's so much that he wants to get through, I think, right. and he just has to rush it or something like that. Yeah. See, yeah. I love, I mean, Fifth Element, like I said, I'm a big fan of Fifth Element. So, I love, I mean, I, in terms of the script, I, I hear you, Max, in terms of rushing. There's definitely moments where it just jumps, and you're like, okay. But in terms of the script, there's some really little fun uh, dialogue moments where it's cutting between scenes. Mm-hmm. People are saying something that links into what the other scene is saying. You're, you're getting, oh, there's that moment where they're talking about the stones, uh, and it's cutting between Zorg, the Gary Oldman character, who's phenomenal. He's <laughs> In fact, I just want to say the cast in the fifth element, you've got Bruce Willis, Milo Jovovich, Gary Oldman, Chris Tucker, mm-hmm. yeah. and Ian Holm. I mean, those five <laughs> together they were super, are yeah. really strong. And their characters, I feel, they're, they're so memorable. Yeah, they're really right, memorable. Yeah. Yeah. You can have action figures in the five of those. characters. Yeah, he, cool. he's know, even, even though he's playing, you know, the straight man, but he, he has so much fun with it. Yeah. He always yeah. plays with a twinkle in his eye, I think, all the I mean, time. he gets drunk in the movie. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. really fun, Ian Holm. Yeah. What I was going to say was, is that moment when they're kind of um, yeah talking with the Zorg and then the Ian Holm character and Milo Jovovich is, is <clears> explaining that what's happened to the stones and you're getting the answer in one other scene. It's like the two simultaneous right. conversations mm-hmm. and they do it again. Uh, it's, it's often about the stones actually with the Zorg yeah. and they're cutting between Zorg somewhere and the the diva and, and kind of uh, I just for yeah. me that's really thrilling to watch. And the other stuff that I really enjoyed is like the scene where. The way they've set it up, they're in the apartment and different people are coming to get Corbin Dallas to go to this trip. And he's sort of shuffling them into the fridge and he's got one in the shower and he's got one in the bed and then the police come in. And then it cuts to the airport scene. You've got all the various different people trying to get out yeah. of the ship. And just the farce of it. And just yeah. the timing yeah. is really, yeah, it is for me, I, I think one of the strongest sequences in the film, that yeah. whole central section. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, my mate, there's not too much I want to say about them, but the big thing... For me, is this the the the, the gender politics. 
Mm. And again, I, I don't know if this is, is deserving, but I feel like it goes back to perhaps a lack of maturity or a lack of awareness in Luc Besson. Um, so, for example, with Fifth Element, um, it's just, I mean, at the, when, uh, when uh, Mila turns up, Lilu, Lilu, um, she's kind of this um, sexualized, yeah, she's a naked woman. <laughs> and this a big goes, group of I think men I take around. a photograph. Yeah, and yeah. all these men looking That's at right, her. Yeah. And she, it's kind of like, it's, it, it's, it's sexualized in a way that hasn't really improved since Barbarella. Yeah. It's as bad as that. Like, if all the men looking on and that, yeah. that comment. And they're dressing her in the Jean Paul Gaultier yeah. yeah. seatbelt outfit. And she's kind of given a little bit more strength by the fact that she breaks out and. You know, she's got a bit of power there. But at the same time, this is kind of like... It's still all about um, the men looking on at her as a piece of beauty. Yeah. This guy goes, oh, she's... You know, even she's when perfect. she breaks out, she's perfect. Yeah. Like, she's my... Almost like a plaything. It's kind of like a rewriting of the Adam and Eve story, I felt like. She is reconstructed mm. from this piece of a man, mm. um, which was kind of interesting. It is an interesting point. I don't think it is a piece of a man, though. I think it's... It's, it's, it's a piece of her. That... It's a piece of her. She right. Looks, okay. She's encased. She's encased in that kind of... Right. Sarcophagus. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, do you know what's interesting about the the perfect thing? Because you've just tapped into something what I, that I noticed is um, at the beginning of Valerian, he says to her, "But um, I've been waiting for my perfect woman," and uh, or she says something like, "Well, you're just waiting for your perfect woman," and he says, "I found her, and it's you." And I and that perfect thing didn't strike me at the time, but it did watching Fifth Element because mm. first off, Bruce Willis says on the phone, "I'm not going to be with anybody um, after my wife left because I'm waiting for the perfect woman." Then he says, when he sees Mila Jovovich, "I met this girl and she's perfect." And then the the dudes, the scientists, kind of military guys say she's perfect, and then other people say she's the perfect. Priest. That's right. Yeah. So I thought about this idea of the the perfect woman, which of course is not investigated at all. It's just mm. said. And she is the only woman in, in the, film. the film. But yeah, I did notice much. at least that there was a lot of talk about perfection. <laughs> I think um, it's, it's just a juvenile nature of the film. I fully yeah, that's right. It's, that's it's, right. It's, it's, it's something it's lack of awareness. Awareness. It's, and, and and all the other females mm. in the film, like the the policemen, these dirty, disgusting policemen from Fifth Element, rock up to this McDonald's kind of place, and the woman serving it is wearing this low cap kind of top. Yeah. All the all the attendees. A woman with low cut tops or kind of yeah. boobs popping out. Chris Tucker gives one an, an orgasm. Just by um, talking to just her. Just by talking to <laughs> her. Despite the I fact that I, he has yeah, a row of tents. So but he does more than talk to another one of them. What? In terms of orgasms. But what I will say, to flip that on its head, because I, I fully agree with you in terms of the <laughs> representation of women, you do, however, have some very... Um, uh, what's the word? Non-traditional depictions of men mm-hmm. in both films. Yeah. You've got the Chris Tucker character, mm. which is fascinating. Mm. He's this incredibly over-the-top, flamboyant. Um, mm. You know, a lot of feminine qualities in the way I that think he's, he's a, portrayed. I, I think he's yeah. a bit um, wearing a low-cut top. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a bit James Brown. I think he's James oh, Brown modelled. Oh, that's James Brown has a very like, a crazy haircut like mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. and also took on these quite feminine kind of well, characters. It's, it's Michael Jackson a Prince as well. I mean, yeah, that's true. Clearly, yeah. I think they want a Prince to play that part as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other, and then in Valerian, you've got the kind of leader of the the alien race, which I'm pretty sure is voiced by a woman. Yeah, um, the, he is. Yeah. Yeah. The, the father, the father, the um, the, the the chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's interesting. I just uh, you know I don't really know what else to make of it. Mm. But. Well, the, and then and then at the end, of course, the big the big win in Valerian for um, Laura Lean is that 
uh, Valerian strikes off all his other conquests from oh. his list. <laughs> mm. That Which was pretty just like, oh, okay, um, for you, you know what? I'll do the ultimate sacrifice and forget all the other women that I've yeah. kind of conquered. Uh, yeah, conquered. Although I mean, so it, it kind of lets erase history. Yeah. The, the um that that ending is is horrible, uh, but I I really liked what they did with the characters earlier on. I, I thought it was um it was a shocking bit of writing in a, a movie where the writing was not great. <laughs> um, when uh, kind of spoilers for the end, kind of not. But Valerian is going to do something stupid, and he's like, I'd be willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice myself for you. And Laureline has a line saying, you know, I don't want you to, to die for me. I want you to trust me. Mm. And it's a real, it's kind of undercutting this, this raw machismo that's kind of, mm. you know, going through the movie. Uh, in the way that's, that's really, you know, deserving of nuance. And it's so, it's so strange. Like, mm. I, I don't know if you guys picked that up as mm. well. Interesting. I did pick yeah. up that both female characters, particularly Laureline, mm-hmm. she makes some of it reference to, I'm here to protect you. Or I'm here to save you. Or maybe it's just that in the plot, he's the one who needs to be saved, right? Mm-hmm. And in um, maybe it's in Fifth Element, I, I think. In Fifth I Element, she you. says, I protect mm-hmm. you. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, there's, you know, he's heading in the right direction in yeah. terms of giving the women a little bit more um, agency. Mm-hmm. Can I just shout out that, did you notice in The Fifth Element where Bruce Willis's character is holding the passed out um, Lilu? Um, which he's constantly doing throughout the right. movie, carrying so, her around. So he carries her around, which is, you know, is not great for my feminism <laughs> argument. But, literally an object. But did <laughs> you notice that, um, and then I think Ian, Ian Holm might be laid at their feet or something, and it's, it's boom, it's just this beautiful shot of like the Pietà, mm-hmm. um, is it Michelangelo's um, mm-hmm. Pietà, which is the very famous statue of Mary holding um, a prostate Jesus. Um, across her lap and it's the same in Hannibal as well yeah. where Hannibal's walking along with Clarice Starling in his arms and that kind of shot gets used quite a bit um, so good old Luke with the old classical art but um, <clears throat> but anyway I that yeah I, I think uh, you know it's, it's it's the whole thing about her fainting like it's not really clear why she's fainting all the time mm. she's sort of gets hurt and then sometimes she passes out and sometimes she's all fine again. Maybe the seatbelt's too tight. Sometimes she gets shocked and sometimes <laughs> she's, you know, and that only really struck me when I was watching it again. I, I sort of thought, huh, mm. it's, it's just strange. a device, isn't it, for it someone's is. got to save her. Yeah. And then and yet yeah. she kind of has these moments where she's supposedly the strong female character fighting. I have yeah. to say that the opera sequence for me oh. still was amazing. That is, cool. that is really it cool. It is amazing. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to a few other movies, eh? It kind of gives you little inklings of different moments. Like, for some reason, it reminds me of Mulholland Drive. Ah, the Silencio. Which is a, obviously an amazing scene. And it also, for some reason, probably just through that, reminds me of Blue Velvet. It's, it's uh, you know, they're, they're, we've seen that in the cinema as an 11-year-old and, and subsequently with my family. That's... <laughs> It's incredible. We would, we would often put it on just to rewatch it, and mm. we'll share making of videos from YouTube about it, and mm. we'll share other people trying to sing it. And, oh, cool! Um, it's it's that's you know, there's some really good scenes in Fatal. And there. it's one of the moments where the movie actually takes time to slow down, yeah. take a step back, and just let you breathe in the scene as well, yeah. and, and do something exactly. very high quality. Yeah. Very valuable that time. That you... mm-hmm. So I looked up um, trivia buff because I love my opera, and I looked it up, and it's Donizetti, and it's Lucia di Lammermoor, and it was actually sung by a proper, I think, Albanian um, mm. opera singer. Cool. But the actress who plays it, I was surprised and, and um, interested to read, is um, Mai Wen, who's a, a French 
actress turned film director mm. who made Police and a bunch of other films that go to Cannes usually. Oh, cool. Um, and so even 20 years ago, she was the, the sort of the blue-faced um, alien, you know, you know alien the, form. You know what the connection is with that as well, isn't it? No. Uh, she was Luc Besson's fiancée at the time. Um, and the actress that they wanted didn't turn up on the day, so she stepped in. Wow. Um, and then by the end of the movie, he left her and he got engaged with Millie Jovovich. <gasps> yeah. Really? And did he marry Millie Jovovich? No, they broke up a few years later. So they see, that, get that makes sense. She's like, she's like his muse, and he just writes that into the, into the storyline. Wow. Mm-hmm. She's, like, the she's, one she's literally outside of the movie. You know how they're always talking about how perfect she is? That's him kind of going like... Yeah. Going, actually, she's, she's yes, she beautiful. is. She's so perfect. <laughs> Did you know, and you all know because you've watched it a million times, I didn't know though till I, I was like, what language is she speaking? Because a lot of those words sounded very Italian. And then I looked it up, and the divine language apparently, and you may know this already, but apparently she and Besson, or mainly Besson, wrote this language specially with 400 words. That's the sum total of their language. Mm-hmm. And um, because she speaks, uh, Miliovovich speaks four languages anyway, she was able to very quickly learn the divine language. And by the end of filming, apparently, they were um, having full conversations with each other. <laughs> How rad is that? Well, obviously, they, they, you know, they enjoyed those conversations and it built some intimacy it was there. Their fifth language, <laughs> and then maybe the sixth language of love. <laughs> so yes, uh, I have to say that the sort of again, like I juxtapose the two films because for me, the music in Valerian was really bad, but not bad in the sense of in, in of itself, but just the way it was paired with the film. It was mm-hmm. there's a lot of times where I was like, oh, this music's taking me out of the film. I'm, I'm noticing the music for the wrong reasons, and I was really disappointed to find out that it was Alexander Desplat. Yeah, because yeah, he's awesome and yeah but he's uh, also a muso for hire I've decided yeah. I mean he obviously is like literally but what I mean is I think he'll just do what people tell him that they want yeah right okay I suppose I, I can't think of anything too memorable he's done well his what, work with uh, Wes Anderson for um, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is fantastic Mr. Fox yeah he does those he, two scores um, he true. has done beautiful yeah. stuff okay, well, I didn't know but now he true. just does everything so mind you a lot of composers do that. Like Hans Zimmer does that, and he has some incredible scores. And then sometimes you watch it for me, go, "Oh, what was that music?" Oh, yeah, it's Hans but also oh. we've said about Hans, I think, in a previous podcast, he just reuses his content. <laughs> what a repurposer of content, that yeah. guy. Well, a lot, what I will say is that the music in Fifth Element, I mean, is a, for me, is a highlight. It's dated now in terms of some of those 90s sort of... <coughs> those beats. Heck yeah. 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 But just the melodies. And I didn't realise until this this viewing that a lot of the music with Lilu when she's walking around the city for the first time mm-hmm. is the opera that's sung later on. I didn't, didn't even pick that up oh, before. Oh, I didn't either. Cool. Um, but just there's a lot, of, a lot of different instruments that come in through the film. Characters have um, their own kind of themes... Uh, there's even that lovely moment right at the very end uh, of the fifth element when the, the you know Lilu's exploding light out of her face, uh, where there's like just like a twinkling kind of version of the score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, the, for me, the music in Fifth Element is memorable um, compared to the, un- the forgettable music in Valerian. I do have a note here to myself though that says awful incongruous music in the Mila capture scene, pure ridiculous. <laughs> so I can't, I couldn't qualify that for you, but. I remember it just seeming completely at odds with what was going on. In when she's, when she's flying around the city with the, the taxi? Um, not, no, not early on. Later on, when, in a, when maybe are they capturing her? I don't remember now. But, um, but anyway, but the music is ridiculous. <laughs> so, and Matthew Kasovitz is in both films. That was the only other yeah, connection I is. could find. Who's there? 
Um, Matthew Kasovitz Kass was the lead in Amélie, and he's the director of La N, the um, hate, the that classic mm. French mm -hmm. uh, hard out film from <laughs> the olden days, uh, and a French actor basically. Who does he play? And um, He is just the lad. Um, he's not the next door neighbour, is he? He's the guy who knocks on the door right at the beginning, and Bruce Willis uh, opens right, the yeah. door, and the, he's the, all the like, mugger. "Turn the gun around!" Oh, he's yeah. a mugger. Is that yeah, what it, it was? Because cool. I was like, "What is this?" Yeah. He's like, "No, you have to take the safety catch off." He's that guy being all <laughs> right, <laughs> and all, and I didn't recognise. I couldn't find him in Valerian at all. I saw mm. he was in the credits. Didn't recognise him at all, so don't know. What I'll say about Valerian is that there's that sequence in the film where they go to Big Market and it's I the love big that. space. That um, blew my mind. It was well, see, which feels very episode, episode one. Like, yeah, was yeah. yeah. I, I like aspects of it, but I, I was confused sometimes as to what the rules were. Like, I wasn't 100% sure. Mm. You know, for me, it wasn't as it didn't sell as much as it could have because you it was mean really, like did I it really the exist idea. or was it just virtual? Yeah, reality, all that kind of stuff. Who I didn't could see it. Yeah, who could see who? Who could? What yeah. could you do? That confused me. And also, that's right. That's what. That's what. That's what took me out of it. When he's in the desert and he like bangs on the manhole and he drops to great lengths in oh, the, yes. in the uh, yeah. alternate reality, I'm like, well, where's he dropping back in the desert right. space? Mm. And then they never revealed that. And I thought. Oh, I'm really confused. Was there a manhole as well? Well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, it was How does he get back up to the, to he, the surface? He took a, he took a lift. Yeah. Oh, so up, and there that no would lifts. definitely be a lift in the other world, not in the... It was just mm. a bit... That, for me, it was oh, just a bit man, confusing. That, that, that I was like, a huge pole. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. I don't, can't figure out... Otherwise, it was because we haven't really given it the credit it deserves in terms of the crazy ideas and some of these... Amazing set yeah. pieces. Of oh, the visuals! Hey. The visuals. Like we should have said that at the start. Yeah. This is absolutely amazing. amazing. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would actually say, uh, and I, I, I talked to you, Max, about this afterwards. Like I would say, Valerian is probably one of my favorite movies of the year so far. Like I, I loved it, and mainly oh, for the visual it. stuff. Yeah. Um, it was too long. Uh, the ending sucked. <laughs> Uh, but, but for the first like amazing. hour and a half, I was just so happy watching it, um, and oh. mostly because of the world building and the visual stuff and. You just don't see this stuff anymore. No. Um, yeah. And what we were saying about the auteurness of it all, um, this is someone who just wants you to see what he sees in his head yeah. with mm. millions and millions of dollars and yeah. really good special effects, really good like makeup and um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Mm. And, and that sequence and mm. a lot of the sequences around it were just mm. super cool. Mm. And like. I, I just can't think of anything like that that's ever been put to film. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I felt like I was seeing things I hadn't seen before, and not mm -hmm. just in an Avatarian way or a Hobbit in at um, forty-eight frames per second way. But I, yeah. I felt like, wow, this is still making me think. Goodness, cinema has a purpose and has new stuff to to show us. Yeah. And then I got bored with it. That's well, interesting. It, you, yeah. guys, you guys say that because I had the complete opposite reaction, which mm. was I was sitting there going, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Star Wars, you know, all these all these CGI fest films. So for me, it was I've actually written down visually some great imagery, but nothing hugely new. It was my my yeah. reading of it because oh, cool. I just felt I, I, I such a fatigue with overly uh, ambitious visuals that actually don't follow through in terms of tension or um, the action. I don't quite know what's going on with the action. I don't quite know where people are going, what's happening. Oh, totally! I couldn't tell you a thing about the plot. <laughs> yes, yeah, so no, so for, me, it was, <laughs> for me, it was. Like Star Trek movies have been out the last few years, um, you know, all of our superhero films that have been coming out. Thor, Thor had a lot of 
colourful things in it. You know, like so for me, it wasn't <laughs> Avatar. It wasn't hugely new. So, no, I'm sure it didn't have a like a rating higher than M. Hey. No, uh, no. I, assume it, I assume it didn't. But I was wondering what this kind of age range this is aimed at because I you feel with all the colour and the images, it's kind of going to be a young audience. But the way like. It starts up with the two, um, with Valerian and Laura Lean. It's kind of like quite sexual. It's like lots of skin and kind of... I heard that it does play a little young. Somebody told me that before I went in to see mm. Valerian, actually. And mm. I was a bit like, oh, and what they meant was, I suppose, that this would be maybe a, a Jungle Book audience mm-hmm. or a slightly younger audience. And actually, as the film went on, I thought, yeah, with all these cute little and these cute little creatures yeah. that multiply, um, the, the, the pearls yeah. and things like <laughs> that. You know, moral. The, well, I mean, yeah, like what's going to save the world? Love. As in both movies, yeah, like yeah. I said earlier, love. What will is save the fifth the world? element? Love. love. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think maybe it, but so maybe it. He didn't necessarily consciously aim it, you know, purpose an audience it for mm. a younger audience, but perhaps this stems again from the fact that both films, he started creating them in his mind when he was a teenager. Yeah. Mm. And what, and the second one's taken much longer oh, to come to fruition, think, but I maybe... Just, I think it, for, like, you know that the, the, the scene at the start where they're on a desert island, <clears throat> I think it particularly comes off strongly, the kind of sexual quality of it, because it's so big and there's, you know, boobs in front of you, and it's kind of like God, I, I thought this was like, these guys are quite young and it doesn't feel quite what right boobs? to me. She's like, it's not like out, but they're... No, are you talking about live action boobs or are you yeah. talking about Avatarian? No, live boobs? action. But this is the scene with Laurel, Laurel yeah, and they're on the beach. They're on the beach on the bed. And they're kind of lying all over each other. Yes, Maybe right. it just hit me as a bit more visceral yeah. because it was so big and, on a, and it's so high I was sitting deep. next to my nephew, you know, who's young, and I sort of thought, oh gosh. And I was like, well, you know, for him they're probably just two people, you know, they're just sort of lying next to each other and flipping around and fighting and things, you know, it's different when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, it's play fighting, I mean, even yeah. if he knows that they quite like each other, it wasn't, I mean, it didn't get all overt. No, and maybe maybe it could have worked better uh, if the casting was better, I would say, because Dane DeHaan just makes it creepy. Yeah, the dialogue as well. I don't know, it, it seems like, like in the comics, and uh, it seems like what they were going for is this very Harrison Ford, you know, mm. uh, roguish charm. Mm. Uh, Dane DeHaan, every scene, he, I, I've read a review that said he, he just looks like He's either about to cry or has just finished crying. Um, he has these bags under his eyes. And he just looks so... He looks young and very tired to the entire movie. And he typically plays sort of quite sort of cynical or um, almost villainous sort of characters. Yeah, yeah. He? So it was a really antithetical, if that would be the right word, antithetical casting mm-hmm. choice. So who would have been better, I suppose, from his age? I just, there wasn't a clear sense of who the character was for me, so I couldn't even... I guess he was supposed to be just the, the, the manly man, right? Who um, is sort of showing the error of his ways. So maybe, I know, one of these, these new fangled YA adaptations. Uh, like Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort, yeah. yeah. Or Chris Pratt. I don't know, maybe that's going a little old. But they, they also, the two of them, they just look so much younger than they're supposed to look. How old are they meant to be? In, um, the, the, in their, you know, they're supposed to be adults. Right. I think and that was like another, children. I think right, that was another reason like why the kind of closeness was kind of weirded me out because they look right. so young. Yeah. Mm. They look like they're like teenagers, and I'm just like, 
know. Yeah, it was it was strange. I thought, like we were talking about before, her performance, I was really enjoying it, but she was in the scenes. But he was... She got better and better, I think, as yeah. well. Yeah. And she had more to do as the film went on, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was there was a couple of times where I was like, oh, oh, you know. Actually, talking about the whole this whole relationship, in Fifth Element, there's that moment where Lilu is lying on the, the couch and he has to wake her up and he goes to kiss her and she pulls out the gun and has the gun to his head and he's like, I shouldn't have done it, I shouldn't have done it. And then he's sort of, you know, on the way home going, I shouldn't have kissed her. What do you think about that? The whole... See, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, at least he, I, he says he, he I knows. shouldn't have. Yeah. He says I shouldn't have kissed her. I suppose. And um, she's she's you know, meaning he's a gun to his head. Look, Sleeping Beauty, yeah, one of the oldest yeah. stories in the world. Nobody has done a twist on that where she wakes up and cries date rape. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean though? So Disney perhaps it was perhaps yeah. it was supposed to be just like a oh I'm so in love with her I can't help yeah. myself yeah. you know rather than any sort of sexual assault sort of thing yeah um, cool well we may as well do they don't have anything they're burning uh, uh, just one, one more thing which um, yeah again this is the first time I watched Fifth, uh, Fifth Element um, I, I guess I, I never watched it because my uncle who was a um, entertainment journalist at around 97 uh, had gone to a press screening and told us don't see this movie oh. The Fifth Element is love uh, <laughs> 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 so you remember that all your life I've never, never, you know, wow. gone to because because of my uncle. Um, but did you guys get like seeing it from a, a very fresh perspective? Um, so much of it just seemed very uh, strangely linked to other sorts of movies from Terry Gilliam, Jeanette as well. From just that that kind of cluttered. Handmade quality. Yes. Yeah. When the aliens first appeared, it was like something straight out of Monty Python. Yes. Um, yeah. And everything, I love that stuff. Everything's very, very physical. Yeah. Um, even like how they mix the CG with matte painting with like practical effects. In the fifth element. In the fifth element. Yeah. Just, you've never seen anything like that True. before, and, and I don't think we, we have since. Um, so that was super cool. Just Oh, and also all the. Um, the, the Gilliam-esque kind of digs at modern society or a, a kind of distorted version of our world mm. with the, the cigarette dispenser and, mm. and all this, um, a lot of satire. Mm. Uh, also a little bit like Robocop and, mm. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Which was not something that I, I realised before I watched. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, like I said, I'm a massive fan of this movie, yeah. so I love all that stuff. Um, and... The in-camera work in Fifth Element, yeah. you know, it always sells an image so much better than the overly CGI. So even though Valerian has some incredible visuals, the fact that it is CGI, you know, Tarantino talks about it. When it's CGI, you know it's CGI, so you know how the trick is done, the magic's not there. Whereas if it's in-camera, you don't fully know how they achieved it. It's, it's fascinating. All the model work, animatronics, yeah. mm-hmm. um, the costumes, just for me this was... You know, visually, it's just a much more superior film than Valerian. Interestingly, it felt like the aliens in Fifth Element, um, they really reminded me of the, the um, bad taste. Um, oh, yeah. The bad taste creatures, monsters. Yeah. Which, yeah. of course, are Peter Jackson, but yeah. he wasn't involved in Fifth Element, except that Where to Workshop was involved in, or was it Where to Digital, probably, mm-hmm. more likely, was involved in Valerian. Mm-hmm. So I suppose there are all these little... Um, Intersecting sets. Well, also reminded me a lot of the the Vogons from the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Did you so, want to make a final word, Max, before we wrap up? Not particularly. Not <laughs> 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 too much to say. 
I was done it. I, I noticed I was done it about half half an hour through, and I was oh. like, um, okay, I'll just chill. <laughs> You're like what Valerian should have been. What? Well, like you, you finished and you, you oh, stopped well, talking. <laughs> you stopped talking. So you Just go. give it up. That's right. <laughs> Leave on a high note. Yeah. Uh, Bring in Rihanna, Max. Next time you finish yeah. too early. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film-loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter or even on YouTube, which are great places to leave us comments, let us know what you think of this episode, and let us know what future films you think we could discuss and compare. Look up for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, ka kite anō.